Welcome to episode 128 of the Men Who Save Football at Undock FC Fancast. It's a post-match reaction to a successful visit to the Belfield Bowl. Last season, this proved to be somewhat of a graveyard, but Dundalk passed the test on Bank Holiday Monday, came away with a 2-0 victory. Gentlemen, what did you think of the performance? Well, I don't really have much to say about the performance. I mean, it wasn't stellar, but I'll say two things. Not only, as you just said, did it vanquish the, the ghosts of last year, but if you think about how ropey Dundalk have been recently, what was overhanging my mind before it is what UCD did to Bowes on Friday. Because... Bows are top of the league and, you know, um, you know, are the trendsetters. And they went to Belfield on Friday and uh, managed to snatch a draw from the uh, from from the from the jaws of uh, victory. Um, so, I, you know, it, both those things were hovering over me going in. But I would say um, I also will. It was also classic pattern of Dundalk when the game started. I thought for the first 15 to about 19 minutes, Dundalk were well in control. It was just cruising. I thought, yeah, yeah, we're well in control. But as it happens loads recently, around about the 20th minute, it's like, yeah, okay, we're done. Um, we've had 20 minutes of nice possession. And then UCD grew a little bit more into it. Um, but, like, from memory, I mean, I, I, I really don't think UCD threatened us at all in the first half. I mean, within about three minutes... Ryan O'Kane, who was who would go on to you know, uh, uh, you know, um, be involved in, in a bunch of stuff later on. I mean, I think he fired a shot about three or four minutes in that uh, the, the the keeper parried away, and we were I thought well, it, pretty comfortable first twenty minutes, and then it kind of went a bit kind of, eh, uh, you know. Um, but I, I wasn't that worried. It really did not look like UCD were going to score. And there was, there was some interesting things like he had Waziri Williams and Hayden Muller in the middle of defence. And so, you know, he's kind of uh, constantly untested, untried combinations in the middle. Um, I, so, you know, there was those concerns going into it. But as the, game, as the first half went on, I just thought, you know, I, I can't really remember Shep uh, uh, being particularly uh, bothered. And then um, I thought, you know, we looked pretty promising uh, I know everyone's going to be talking about the goal later on, but I really thought Ryan O'Kane had probably his best game in ages for us. He was working really, really hard. I thought he was causing loads of trouble. Um, and obviously, all the attention would be on the goal. But I really, even if he hadn't scored that goal, I would probably would have said he was him or Archie Davis were my man of the match. I thought they were the ones uh, doing the most. Um, so... Uh, yeah, not a huge amount of talk about until, until the goal. Um, again, I even previous to that, um, I don't know where this all came from, but previous just to the goal itself, I thought Ryan was sending in some really, really good balls, properly dangerous balls. I don't know where that has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, where that, where that was, but we were we were getting balls much more into the correct position in, into the box. Um, not converting them, but uh, at least the delivery was getting better and better and better. And it paid off then for the goal. Now, it was kind of a weird goal because John Martin kind of chested it in. But for me, it was about the delivery of the ball in. Uh, something which we've lamented lots uh, on this um, uh, on this podcast, which is just poor delivery. In. But I thought uh, Ryan O'Kane in particular was was doing that really well. Went into halftime, um, one up. 
Second half, to me, to be honest with you, it looked like two teams who kind of were done. It was bank holiday Monday, and neither of them really wanted to be there. Um, uh, the only really things to note in the second half, I think, was that the Robbie Benson, uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say when, when the team sheet came out and both Hoban and Benson had been dropped, um, I was talking to someone who was saying that they, they were trying to protect those players because they were coming back off injuries and probably deemed that UCD, despite what they did to Bose and despite being bottom, um, are a team that you could potentially uh, rotate against. And Jesus, just, um, we'll probably talk about it in a bit now, but the, the, the injury situation, but I think Robbie Benson was on for about 30 seconds and then he, he pulled up. That is Pretty concerning, and I feel really, really sorry for him. Um, and you just wonder, they just can't seem to get it right because you do rest a player, then you bring him on, and he almost instantly pulled up. Um, then the other two things I would say is that madly, you know, going into injury time, uh, you know, I seemed done and dusted, and then uh, UCD came close through the player, uh. Doyle, who actually scored against uh, uh, Bose in a similar time frame on Friday. So I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, we're actually going to do it. We're actually going to throw it away again. But we didn't. And then, you know, to send us off all happy on our um, bank holiday, uh, Ryan O'Kane with the goal I'm sure everyone has seen by now, which is an absolutely incredible goal. Uh, and I think it's really good because I think he had a great game, great delivery in, great goal. And it's just going to boost his confidence now. You know, two goals in two games. So... Robbie Benson, situation not great, but overall you have to say pretty positive. Not particularly amazing football, but we did our job well. Nathan Shepard had very little to do generally. Great to see, I think, Williams and Muller getting a run out together under somewhat easier conditions than they may face in coming weeks and, you know, not conceding a goal. Um, And, you know, Two wins uh, over a weekend and the, some pretty good results for us around it as well. So the table looks pretty good. So I think uh, all in all, pretty good. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great day as well. And I thoroughly enjoyed the game. But uh, as Rory said, right, we started by rotating a bunch of people out of the team. And that immediately gave you the heebie-jeebies a bit where you thought to yourself, hmm, a few fairly patchy results against UCD recently, beaten there last season. You know, that horrific sort of comeback draw as well that they had. You know, is this really one the place where you want to, you know, take a chance with some rotation? But you would have to say it paid off pretty well in the end. Um, as Rory said, Rhino Kane was excellent throughout the whole 90 minutes. And like one of the features of the game, I thought, was that there was a lot of rotation uh, in formation in the midst of the game. Right. I think we sort of started with uh, Tullock up front and he was uh, up there alongside John Martin. And then all of a sudden he switched to the left and Rhino Kane came over to the right. And that really seemed to, you know, sort of mix things up. And I think it was around that point in the game where uh, Rhino Kane really started coming into it, right? He got at the UCD left back quite a few times. Some really dangerous balls into the box. Now, as Rory said, we did fade a bit around about the 20-minute the mark. But I think the goal came at a really good time. I know it wasn't until about, like, 15 minutes later. But, you know, the game had gone into that lull where it was just a sort of attritional game, you know, sort of going one way or the other without anybody making any real chances. And that goal just came at a really nice time, you know, settled us down before halftime and we looked very comfortable uh, for the rest of the first half. The second half then, I thought, like, really surprisingly, one thing that was missing from the highlights edit was the disallowed Dundalk goal. 
which I thought was super controversial, right? We got a free kick down the left-hand side, right on the, the touchline. Um, so maybe only a yard or half a yard in from the, the goal line. And that was swung across the box. And as far as I could tell, I think it was Waziri Williams uh, touched it in at the back post. And the linesman flagged for offside. And I have no idea how he could have possibly been offside for that. And I think from the <laughs> divisive roars from the stand behind me, like there was a lot of people in agreement there. Uh, let's just say that the referee was instructed to go have his eyesight checked and uh, various other things like that. Uh, I thought that was like super controversial. And I was wondering if that would go on to influence the game a lot. You know, if uh, UCD had gotten a goal or something like that, we'd be looking back on that moment and say that we were really sort of cheated out of a goal in that case. Now, fortunately, it didn't come down to it uh, in the end. But um, yeah, I, I think that could have been a big turning point. Like, as Rory said, the, the Rhino Kane goal was absolutely fantastic, right? It was one of those in-person steps in from the side and whacks it, and you really, you know, hear it come back off the bottom of the crossbar and everything like that. It was fantastic. And what I really liked as well, as he came off the pitch, right, he was, you know, sort of given the full standing ovation by the away fans. And you could see just the joy on his face, right, how much that meant to him. You know, he really enjoyed that moment. And I think you could even see players behind him, the likes of Keith Ward and people like that, you know, just letting him soak up that moment and applauding him on the way past, right? That was a real feel-good moment and uh, and great to see. But I think probably my man at the match would have been Archie Davies, like much like Rui suggested. I think he had an absolutely fantastic game. Tons of energy at right back, real threat going forward. Uh, give his opposition, you know, sort of winger and fullback a lot of work to do to try and, you know, keep tabs on him. And I think part of the reason why O'Kane was so successful down that side was because he had Archie Davies causing so much problems at the, at the same time, right? They couldn't double up on Ryan O'Kane, right? Where he was able to go one-on-one -on -one at people. And, uh, you know, I think on the back of Friday's performance as well against Strada, Davies was probably my man of the match there as well. Like, he was really superb. And I think there's sort of a thing throughout the team that you can see... <laughs> the few players that we have that are actually fit, you can see their fitness and their endurance really growing, right? So I think Archie Davies is one of those players where, you know, it was not like he looked out of shape in the first few weeks of the season. But in the past, like, two, three weeks, you can really see his physical attributes coming to the fore, right? The pace that he's got, his ability to run forward with the ball. A bit like Rivas Jukowskis, you might say, you know, another Dundalk legend that he's filling his shoes there. But, uh, you know, lots of marauding one runs from right back. And I thought that was really good to see. Also, Rain Tullock, right, a man who, you know, four or five weeks ago was really struggling to get, you know, sort of 60, 65 minutes in. All of a sudden now playing 90 minutes and looking, you know, reasonably fresh when he's doing it. I think that was a good sign. A few other French players who I think didn't look quite as fit. You could see, I think, was Erie Williams. Uh, after about like 80 minutes was struggling a little bit with I don't know if he had a slight strain in the calf or something like that. But he was, you know, trying to keep himself warmed up and stuff like that. And I might be going back to forming the Waziri Williams fan club here, but like, again, I thought he had a really good game. Uh, really like some of the attributes he's got, his confidence on the ball, his physicality, his height and stuff like that. I thought he was really super effective. And especially in the air, I thought despite UCD having a couple of like big tall fellas, like he handled them absolutely easily. There was no chance of a sniff from any of the UCD set pieces. And I think going forward, he looked a real threat as well. And then at one stage, he did like a magical sort of step over in the middle of the pitch to like sort of worm his way away from a, an attacker. And I think the entire away support behind me had their hearts in their mouths, seeing, I think, last Friday's mistake against Rade, you know, coming forward again. There was sort of howls of like, get rid of it, being shouted him at the time. But, you know, uh, I think he did really well to step away from his man on that occasion. Like he's just got that in his locker. And I think 
maybe it was a bit of a, a showing off to Hayden Muller beside him saying, this is how it's done. <laughs> you can just take on the attackers like this. But uh, yeah, I thought he was really excellent throughout the game as well. And uh, the only dark spot then, I think, the Robbie Benson injury, right? Uh, according to the clock, he was on the pitch for three minutes. And, you know, obviously, you feel really sorry for Robbie. Um, but on a slightly meta level, you look at it and you say, like, what is going on with the sort of um, fitness situation, you know, at the moment? If it was just Robbie, you could say maybe he's got some underlying issue, you know, and it's it's just problematic. But it's the same story with Dickie Kelly. It's the same story with, you know, Paul Doyle, I think, earlier in the season, who we can't keep fit. Um, we don't really know what's going on with, you know, Hooban's hamstring injury, although, you know, he's playing a few more minutes and then Andy Bowl has disappeared off the scene as well, right? That gives you a real cause con for concern, right? Is this something that's in our control? Is it a sort of fitness and conditioning, you know, issue or something like that? Or is, are the team trying to overtrain or, you know, something like that in fitness? I don't really know what the story is behind the scene, but it looks sort of systemic at the moment, right? It's not just a one-off. And that, I think, is the, the only really concerning thing in my mind. Yeah, I suppose all you can do, um, do is speculate on <clears throat> on the injuries. Like, um, are they being pushed too hard? Um, you know, are they being you know wrapped in cotton wool too much? <clears throat> That's you know, you know, are they you know? So what, what's going on? You know, when things like this happen, you start to hear things like about the, the pitch and is it the pitch? And so speculation's rife. It is doing the one one thing is that it is very worrying. You know, when you have. Your, the players that, you, that you're you're counting on, you know, the, the senior players uh, to be out in, uh, injured, like so, yeah, because that was it was a really, I suppose, uh, worrying moment when, when Robbie's only on and he's off the pitch. But um, go back to the game, yeah, kind of uh, a ninety minutes that you're kind of going to forget very very quickly. But um, at the start of it, and somebody said, if somebody says there's three points here, will you take them? Of course you do, and you'd even take them in off the cheek of the backside of any player. Just happens that it's actually the front side of the player, and it goes in to score. Basically, no, not the winning goal, but the, the one that that we we hung on to, which looked like um, we were going to take the three points from. So it was good, as you said, Martin, to kind of settle this down. Um, and you know, kind of got us, got us into into a, into a bit of bit of a rhythm. But I suppose in the second half, I was a wee bit worried. I thought that yeah, that we were going to actually capitulate, and like that, you're thinking, you know, this is going to happen again. And it's only just because of the way we had gifted goals this season. But it was a, it was really really good that we were able to to see it out. Right, Ryan Kane's goal. I mean, and we'll talk about it in, um, probably in a wee bit more detail. Um. But it just struck me like his, if you go back and you watch the highlight reels, like his strike only a couple of minutes on um, when he's on the pitch, you know, um, is is as fresh and I suppose as lethal as the one that he scores at the 93rd minute on the other end of the pitch. So it, it, it goes to show that like he had the hunger, enthusiasm and skill is this is still there right in through it throughout the game. You know, um, I was just listening to Skip's uh, interview. Uh, online this post match I think it was done it was done this morning and he was just saying that uh that uh he thought that Ryan you know having played so much right through the, the preseason and nearly in every game but injuries and stuff like that that he felt that he was just I, I just gone off the boil a little bit or just a, not, not as sharp as he was and that's why he took him out of the, the squad or, or took him out of the team shows in and put him back in and he was delighted with the with the sharpness but that goal was absolutely um incredible uh, yeah, so really happy with, with, with the three points. But then, as I buzzing this morning, you're thinking, yeah, that's a great weekend. It's it's six points. But come back to what I said um, after the the, the drugs game. Um, I mean, 
it's three. I, I don't mean to be kind of like saying, oh, we're done dock and we deserve three points just for turning up. But if you're aspiring to be in Europe, you know, draw that and UCD are three points um, each that, you know, you have to chop those up. So you have to, you have to, you know, no matter how good or how tricky UCD are at the Belfield Bowl and if they pull one back against Bowes and, you know, they're, they're games that we have to be winning. They're games that we have to get the three points from because, uh, this, the table does look really, really nice at the moment, but um, not to jump ahead in the cast, but it brings us, you know, to, to our next game. And then you're thinking, you know, that's in and around where we need to be. We need to be in and around, you know, picking three points up when you go to the West to play Sligo, who actually are playing really good football and looking really, really good. So anyway, enough of the negativity for me. I'm really, really happy with the six points over the weekend. And I'm really, really pleased for, for skipping for the team that you can go down to the Belfield Bowl. You can take the three points. You know, you can score two goals. Ryan McKenna, cracking performance, cracking goal um, to, to seal the, the three points. So you have to take those positives out of, out of it and, and, and you know, and, and march on. So, yeah, very, very happy with yesterday's result. We did look at this weekend as potentially six points and we've got all of those. So you've got to be... You've got to be happy with that. It does transform the table, put us back into just roundabout contention for those European places. And we can talk about how other teams did as well, because in a way, given that some of the points that we have dropped from winnable games really is a bit of a shame. If we take Cork getting absolutely tanked by Bohemians, it just goes to show what a what a really poor performance it was down in Turner's Cross. It seemed to be our low point of the season from which we've now clawed our way back. But I mean, if we had got a victory down there or even a shot or two on target, you'd be level with Derry City, which is remarkable to think about, given that they were very much favoured. And of course, Bohemians are still up there on top and we're playing them not too far away. So that's going to be an interesting encounter about their championship credentials. One thing, winning in Daly Mount in front of that packed crowd that you know they've got down there, it's quite an atmosphere. But coming to Orioles should be a different prospect. But just returning to how we've kind of come out of this difficult period, I think most fans would agree that although we've got six points, there were still many questions about the performances both on Friday and maybe even on Monday as well. I think there was, we we talked about how the last minute winner totally transforms the mood from Friday night, but how there was defensive lapses, which you couldn't really sustain if you were going to be anything other than relegation fodder on Friday night. On Monday, again, there was a little bit of squad rotation. And as Martin said, you know, often we look at big players missing and we think, mm, you know, can we really afford to play without Patrick Hogan, without Robbie Benson? But nonetheless, UCD, always a well-organized team, usually try to play the game the right way. We don't tend to get long ball and 10 men behind the ball when, when it's UCD. But they did sort of allow Dundalk to play. I mean, we opened very impressively, controlling the ball, lots of possession carving out the initial chances with a few long-range shots. And really, I think we well-deserved our lead. But if you're looking at how that goal came, it's pretty lax defending to have the ball kind of drop to John Martin about six yards from goal or perhaps even less. And for him not to be opposed or challenged, take those goals all day, a decent delivery. But really, I suppose that was an insight into why UCD are at the foot of the table. They do seem to be a little bit fragile um, as regards how they defend those set pieces. Um, we did, however, have a period where the game did seem to flow in their direction. And it's funny how one of the things that we might talk about is 
the way in which Stephen Kenny's team sort of took off like a rocket and really made an impact over the course of the seasons that he was here, everybody talks about the fitness that Dundalk had. We had a competitive advantage over everybody else in those first few, few years because when it came to 75, 80 minutes, Dundalk were able to sustain a level of pace and attack that nobody else could live with. And it was in those final, like during Kenny's era, a lot of games were won in those final 15 minutes when other teams were flagging, but we were still fresh. It seemed that, I know it was a double weekend, both teams seemed to just tap out after about 75 minutes. And it seemed that there was very little stamina left in the tank. We did have a very dodgy 10-minute spell where the introduction of um, a couple of UCD substitute including uh, Isakori, I think it was rampaging down that left wing, really caused some nervous moments. Now, although Archie Davis, I think he's had a tremendous couple of games for us and is beginning to look more and more influential, and particularly when he roams forward, you know, as a real attacking threat, uh, he was called upon to do a lot of defending in those last minutes. We did have UCD getting possession on the 18-yard line, balls being shot in that were narrowly wide or blocked at the last minute. It was perhaps way more nervous than it should have been. Possession was around about 50-50, or I think UCD might have ended up with marginally more. So the game was close right up until that Rhino Kane goal. So that will probably give people still, you know, they'll be glad of the six points, but they'll still have a few questions about how Dundalk kind of vary from teams of yore. When we talk about fitness, there is the injury thing, which we can kind of come on to. But if we talk about fitness just in the in the context of physical stamina and being able to continue running and playing at a high pace right up till the 90th minute and beyond. Do you think that that has dropped off from maybe the Kenny era and generally across the league, we saw two quite tired teams on Monday. Is fitness not really at the level that it was in those years gone by? I think you can definitely see it in ourselves. We're definitely, we're definitely not uh, the same type of team uh, you know, um, just speed and yeah, energy-wise from the Kenny era, as you said, the amount of the, one of one of the big advantages, especially like in twenty fifteen or whatever, where I think the entire league was in this kind of weird lull transitionary moment. One of the big things Dundalk had over a lot of teams was just the just the professional training regime. You could see it, like a player like Richie Towell just and you know just kept going until the end, and we did beat a lot of teams, as you said, in those last fifteen minutes. Now, you can definitely see Dundalk battery starting to go down 65, 70 minutes, you know. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I don't know what, what the case is there. Was it that this, the culture under Penny at the time was just that real, real like, high levels of professionalism? And, you know, you know, he did have that kind of transformative effect on the club in that you know even like nutrition and stuff like that was 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 a big part i think he really a- approached the job uh taking it like super seriously and not just kind of old shrugging the shoulders of ah league of ireland stuff and you know but he he was talking about nutrition and those kind of things so i mean i don't know what's going on in there and I, I you know i don't maybe budgetary wise that because we are we are operating on uh, maybe a more limited budget that there's less resources to put into those things. I don't know, so I I, I really can't speculate on that. But I definitely think you can see it. Um, there is that general waning energy that used to just be the complete opposite with us. Um, 
And you know, but, but all I would say about yesterday is, I mean, both teams battled their way to getting something out of their games on Friday, right up into injury time, and then three days later, you're going out again. So that probably had something to play for as well. You know, UCD. I mean, UCD were playing the the league leaders and kept right at them until the end. To, you know, and would have had to have defended. You know, um, throughout that game. But still, were able to snatch a draw from it. And Dundalk obviously had that roller coaster game. So both teams have been through it on Friday, and that probably contributed as well. I'd say. Yeah, like one thing I add is I think the squad is a lot smaller this season than it was, you know, at least under the the height of the Kenny era, right? So I'm sure Stephen Kenny started out with a fairly, you know, sort of bijou squad on 2013. But by the time we arrived at 2015 or 2016, right, we're talking about having at least, you know, sort of 17 or 18, you know, sort of. Uh, full-time professionals in the squad and I think he brought that professionalism and that you know sort of approach to nutrition and fitness and stuff like that that yeah was um made a, a clear difference but I think he probably just had more bodies right to go around as well at the moment we might have the same kind of numbers collectively in the squad altogether if everybody is fit at the same time but I think we're cursed with that, you know, injury list of seven or eight players at the same time, none of whom are able to, you know, sort of uh, play or, or rotate in. And I think that's probably just as big a cause, right, as the, the two games back to back. Another aspect of the Kenny era is the remarkably few injuries that he would have had um, throughout that that tenure. Now, injuries, it's been the, the, there's been much debate and much discussion about injuries recently. Injuries can occur for a multitude of reasons, so we can't really point a finger at one variable. I mean, people have talked about the pitch recently, but as we saw on on Monday, Robbie gets injured on a grass pitch. That doesn't mean it proves that it you know is not necessarily the, ter- the determining variable of all of these injuries. We also have a strength and conditioning element which can be used to handle injury prevention or recovery from injuries, and we don't know how big a factor that's playing there this simply could be bad luck it could also be the age profile of the players now is slightly different than it was before we know that some of the guys are from that kenny era only they're added six seven years wear and tear and we've seen that like returning players like john mountney unfortunately for john he's such a versatile player and he's so admired by fans and i think you know other members of the squad he seems to have been beset by injuries ever since his return. And we see that Robbie now, the injury is kind of worrying because it's sort of a recurrence. We missed him at the start of the season. We had him for a couple of weeks. It seemed to recur and we he, we, he may be missing again. We know that Patrick Oban has been struggling with injuries. Is this simply bad luck? I mean, how much how much do you think can really be done about it? Is it simply a factor of the age profile? Is the pitch a factor and is there anything that Stephen O'Donnell can really do to sort of handle this this conveyor belt of injuries that seems to keep on coming our way? I think you have probably have summed it up, or between us, between us all, probably have summed it up. I think possibly the age profile. I know that the players, if they were listening now, they'd be, they wouldn't probably agree with that, like the age profile. But there is a lot of wear and tear on the clock. There's a lot of competitive seasons gone in there. There's, you know, there's a... Uh, a lot of experience in that team that has 
been picking up injuries. So I go along with with Miles and the clock being one of them. I'm not saying that they're clocks. So not what I'm saying whatsoever. I think that with the Miles and the clock, um, and definitely what Martin um, said there, with the, with when you lack the the depth within the squad, like if you remember back in the Kenny year, you had that depth in in, in the squad at at the same level of technicality and fitness throughout the position so if one player was tired or one player needed to kind of come out they come out and somebody else come in and i i think that it's it's got to do with that um so like i'm no expert on it whatsoever it's, it's cool to speculate and it's good um it's good to, but i'm not too sure it, it is definitely the pitch and um you know where you can because like Robbie Benson's only on a grass pitch the other night and he and he's pulled up and he's he's coming off. I don't think we notice it as much as well if the injuries aren't all happening at the same time. So I think there's an element really of 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 bad luck in there as well because the players like the setup over in in, in Oriel probably one of the, the best setups in the country when you, when you see the back room and you see you know the the gym and then you know the recovery recovery room and the recovery personnel in there so. I wouldn't say it's got too much to do with that. I'd probably put it down to bad luck and possibly over overworking with um, you know competitiveness to, to be in there week in week out and, and, and play play on the pitch. Um, but going back as well to, to what we were talking earlier on with the Kenny year as well. I think that was twofold too. I think we had a, you know a young hungry team that was much fitter than you know. Other th- other teams, and because you're winning week in week out, there was a drive to drive on and to win and win and win. So I think that's probably you know that'll be my opinion on the, the fitness levels between you know the Kenny era and now. I think a lot of that possibly could have been psychological as well. Like we're after coming off the the back of you know a poor run before we we won our two games. So psychologically, the players are a little bit you know they're lethargic in in, in that regard as well. Um, but going back to to the injuries, it's, as I said, it's cool to speculate, but um, I, I would go down with bad luck. We can turn to some of the younger players in a moment, but I suppose if we're to get reassurance on that injury question, I mean, um, our current our current manager was there throughout all of that glorious period. And I think if people look back, they kind of forget, like we often didn't have much strength and depth in the Kenny era. I think we probably at times had a smaller squad than we have now. Uh, but yet there was a remarkable consistency to the line out. Um, you could tell the one to 11 week in, week out, and they were often required to play three games uh, a week for prolonged periods. I remember Chris Shields tweeting about, um, you know, put more games in April. And the, the response was, there are no more games. Uh, it was it was an incredibly tense, intensive period that those players were pushed, pushed to the absolute max. And they did some amazing things. And, you, you you know the players that we're talking about. They were always there. There there was the odd exception or the odd long term injury, but they were very much uh, the exception rather than the rule. So I mean Stephen O'Donnell, he, he would have been one of the victims of one of those long term injuries in that period. He knows more than anybody else what the regime was like, and I'm sure he knows how to apply that. So perhaps it is some other variable beyond his immediate control that's currently contributing to this sort of. Um, this consistent uh, absence from the squad through injuries. And like you say, some of them might be just bad luck because Louis Ainsley's unavailability seems to be just down to some like rather, you know, uh, 
uh, improbable occurrence, uh, a complication with an injury in preseason. We haven't seen any of him yet. And as an international player, that's a bit of a blow, particularly with Andy Boyle missing. Um, so a lot has been thrown at the team as regards just random events that they can't control. And then I think in that context, you know, some of the most recent results are a bit of a morale booster. And if we can sustain this upkeep in form till some of those players can return and gain match fitness, because you mentioned like with Siri Williams, Martin's a big fan of, and I think we all admire his adventurous kind of spirit in defence uh, and his creative potential as well. If he gets bedded in with a run of games, you know, he could be quite a player as well. And it'd be great to see a few people back fit, less than three goalkeepers on the bench, you know, some some options there so that we can begin to share around the burden of all that playing time and make sure that these injuries maybe are less likely to occur. Turning to the other end of the squad as regards age spectrum and injuries, uh, Rhino Kane has now scored twice in two games. We could see him visibly grow in confidence after he had that very good finish against Drogheda. And the goal on on against UCD it came so late in the game it just kind of alleviated that you know dread of a last minute uh, freak UCD breakaway that might rob us of the two points but he generally speaking had a really good performance and it probably puts into contrast how at times last season he was really really effective in that role uh, attacking from wide positions cutting inside contributing goals and assists We've seen a little bit of that recently after perhaps a lull where he didn't feature all that much in the team and didn't maybe have to start to the to the season that he probably would have wanted. What do you think that run of appearances and goals will do for Ryan's confidence? And how do you see him as regards his best position and the best way to use him in the team to really kind of use his attributes to, to cause maximum worry to the opposition? Well, yeah, I think like, because he ended the season so well and then he did seem to be pulled from the team at the start of this season and you know one thing we'd have to say is he is quite young so they're they're probably hopefully managing him quite well but honestly even though everyone is talking about the goal I, I genuinely was so impressed with him if he hadn't scored the goal I mean it was between him and Archie Davis as I said but um one thing is I just thought delivery, the, the delivery of his balls in just seemed to have leapt up. Um, now, okay, we could say, once again, maybe it's it's against, quote-unquote, lesser op, uh, opposition. But if that gives him the confidence to do that, if he can, you know, try it out, if he can, you know, get better at that, and then he can begin to do that against uh, other teams, I think it's just a great asset to his game. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I just think... A lot of those times you just need to possibly the goal on Friday kickstarted that confidence and then to get the start in the away game against somewhat easier opposition probably gave him the platform and then it just built in stature. Now, again, as, as Martin was saying, like he's, he's, he uh, Skip did some changing of positions halfway through the first half. And he seemed to, like, you know, like him and, uh, well, Tullock went out on the other side and he came over the other side. That seemed to really um, unleash him. And uh, that's when he really seemed to do his best stuff. And I was just, we, we were, we, we've been lamenting some set piece delivery stuff like this. And remember in the Shells game, there was just some of the, the, the balls in, it was just people pulling their hair out. Potentially what Monday has done is 
shown Ryan and the team and the manager that there is a real opportunity there for for delivery in. Couple that with a, a kind of a resurgent, hopefully now John Martin, and a returning Pat Hoban, and you could have the combination there, which is Ryan firing in balls like that, and players like Hoban and Martin in the box to to get onto the end of them. That could really, I mean, Ryan's goals aside, that could potentially be a turning point in the coming games. That combination of balls in from the wing and strikers who are finally, you know, you know, getting their getting their mojo back. Because I mean, the huge problem has been simply that final third or whatever is just the either poor delivery or just no connection with it. I mean, in recent games, it's just been infuriating. I know, okay, only UCD, whatever. But between between Drawd and UCD to see like Hoban, Martin, and O'Kane all starting to click a little bit more, there is the potential there, I think, for um solving one of our problems. Yeah, I was gonna say that like one of Ryan's big advantages is that he can, you know, deliver quality either on his left foot or his right foot, which gives him that sort of versatility where you know he started on the left, then came across to the right against UCD. Uh, I think if you look at some of the balls he put into the boxes from getting down to the byline on the right and sort of delivering them into that sort of corridor of uncertainty. And then if you look at his goal, he sort of found himself in the sort of inside left position where he's able to step in and hit it off his right foot. And I think all of that combines, you know, shows that he can play in a whole range of those positions. Where is he at his most effective? I don't know. Like in some ways, he's <laughs> almost like a little bit too versatile there. If he was in a, outstanding in a single position, you might say it's a, a slightly easier choice. But I would say it means that I think one of the things we struggled with, particularly against Shelburne, right, was that lack of movement, right? Nobody sort of changing positions or making runs into the channels and things like that. And I think that is the thing that Ryan can actually bring. In tight games, if you can have him outside on the, you know, sort of outside right or outside left delivering crosses, but then also coming into the box and threatening at the same time, right? I think that unlocks a couple of different options for being dangerous. And we have definitely struggled at getting in shots this season. So seeing somebody take a pop from like 20, 25 yards and hit the back of the net is very encouraging too. Because if somebody can do that, that gives you know other defenses a little bit something to, to think about, right? That they, they have to worry about those things instead of just letting us play aimlessly outside the box for you know 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, no, it's certainly part of that that kind of upping at the pace of the game is, is certainly aided by the inclusion not only of Ryan, but also I think uh, Keith Ward does, you know, give the team that aspect of being able to switch to play more rapidly and, you know, just move opposition defences around and, and create those gaps to create those opportunities. One question, I suppose, Ryan played particularly well against UCD. Do you think the opposition might suit him in that UCD are not, uh, kind of, uh, they're not a team of hatchet men. They always try to play the game the right way, and we know that we will face many other opponents who wouldn't have the same ethos, shall we say? Um, we know Ryan's a quite diminutive player. He's quick. He's skillful, and that's a type of player who frequently finds themselves targeted for just being kicked out of the game. Do you think that Ryan can develop the capability to cope with that? Will he get sufficient protect protection from the officials? in order to let him do his stuff, particularly when you're playing more physically dogged, maybe imposing teams than UCD, like we probably will when we go to Sligo on Saturday? I don't think I'll get any protection off the officials uh, <laughs> because I just don't think anyone will. Um, 
It remains to be seen. You know, I, I would say, his, I mean, if you look at, for instance, I mean, if he, if he wants to look to someone for inspiration, it would be Rayhan Tullock, whose ability to dance around players is just... Now, I think the one thing about Tullock is potentially taking one touch too many and maybe could work with his teammates a little bit more. We saw more of it again, which is Tullock's ability just to weave in and dance around players. So, you know, um, I would say we're only getting started seeing what Ryan can do. So definitely, I mean, he's young, he's a bit slighter, it's a physical league, and there are some been some robust players out there who will who will target him because I mean his name will have hit the headlines a bit more. I mean he was splashed all over um you know RT and and, and Twitter last night because of the goal. So potentially, you know, and his, his rising stature and his performance the last two games, I mean as well getting an assist as well that he'll definitely be earmarked. Like we've seen Tullock being, you know, targeted with multiple players. So they'll they'll definitely draw attention. But um I think if his constant confidence grows, he 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 I mean that that stature could could work in his favor, the ability to be light footed and to bounce around. Um so only time will tell, but but he's not getting protection from the officials. I may risk losing about 100% of our subscribers and listeners here, but just to make a comparison, which you know, no Dundalk fan will thank me for, but you may have watched the Derry Shamrock Rovers game immediately after our clash with UCD. And it was noticeable that Rovers seemed to be clicking back into form. They're, they seem to be kind of producing the type of performance that you'd expect that squad to begin to produce. And I know Jack Byrne has received avalanches of praise over his career. And I think he's a player that is so talented that you can even put aside our traditional animus to Shamrock Rovers and admire his ability. Him and Ryan are not of all that much different to build, yet Jack does for a relatively... um, He's not a physically imposing player. He's not six foot plus. He's not, you know, 15 stone. He does tend to be able to cope with the physical side of the game, and I think that could be a good model for Ryan to emulate. There have been players in the past who we know had all all the skill in the world, but that was stifled out by um, by just the physicality, particularly in the first division, and sometimes physicality, which to me was over the margin of the rules of the game. Um, but I think you know there are players who can combine skill, diminutive status, low center of gravity, speed. And, and and be real kind of entertaining players to watch and they can learn to cope with the rough and tough nature of the league so uh, to ask a dangerous question I mean do you think Jack Byrne could be a, a kind of role model for a Rhino Kane? I think Jack I've I seen a little bit of the game yesterday Ken um, after our own game uh, and you're right Shamrock Rovers looked like they were clicking. I, I, I was about 10 minutes into the game and the commentators were talking about how Derry City you know, looked like a real handful for Shamrock Rovers. And then that was the end of it because they, uh, Shamrock Rovers just took control of the game, started to look really threatening, really comfortable on the ball. They weren't playing like they were, you know, they were, they were away from home. Just looked really, really good. And Jack Byrne looked, looked immense, like his, his talent is, is something else. Um, yeah. One thing about Ryan, Ryan's cracking uh, talent, so he is, and it's great to see that he's able to, you know, his his set, his set piece, his deliveries, and he, now he's scoring cracking goals as well. He's only 19 years of age, and that's the big thing. Like, he's he's only, you know, he, he's a very, very young talent, and, you know, Jack Bourne's been around, and Jack Bourne is 27. So he has an awful lot more experience 
you're dead right in terms of their 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 size and their stature. Um, he's he's possibly uh, it's something uh, someone Ryan could look towards to see. But I, I be honest, it's it's something that has to be developed. I think in in Oriel Park, he has to be developed into that type of player. At the moment, he's 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 kind of like twinkle toes down down the wing, and he's really really good at that. So. Um, I think he, he, you know, in terms of his stature, you know, to be that that'll only come with experience. It'll come with you know playing against the 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 the, the bigger teams, the more physical teams, and he, like you mentioned, protection. And it's a you know, your worries are hundred percent right. Zero protection is going to get from the officials, or he can get protection is from his own his own team, his own teammates, where they can offer him protection and play him in into the right uh, situations and be there for him. Um, he's going to take some kickings. That's a fact. That's the nature of this league, and they'll only just make him stronger. Um, so I, I think that I think he's a long way to go in terms of his his development, and that's really exciting because he's really really good at the moment. But uh, yeah, um, I think he could be looking towards Jackburn in terms of that kind of like low um smaller kind of diminutive stature. Uh, but uh, you know, for talent because uh, it would definitely be something that'd be um something nice to look at. I would say the man to look towards for this kind of thing is uh, Daryl Horgan, right? The wee man, as we know, was a fabulous helmet and the, the left wing, right? And despite his small sort of physical stature, had that sort of low center of gravity, but was really good at shielding the ball from opposition players, right? And I think what he also had going from was Dylan, uh, sorry, Dan Massey down the left-hand side, who overlapping, right, gave the opposition a lot to worry about. So again, like had a lot of difficulty doubling up on him. And I think if Ryan can get, you know, some of that protection from his own team, right? We just talked about his uh, good partnership on Monday night with uh, Archie Davies, right? If he's somebody like that who's causing the opposition, you know, sort of winger and central defenders, you know, a bit of a problem so that they can't really double up on him. I think if he's one-on-one with a left back, I think regardless of whether that left back is, you know, big and strong or small and quick, I think Ryan has a chance one-on-one with any player like that. And so I think that's sort of the the key to unlocking his potential right now. But um, I think follow that Horgan sort of image for me, you know, somebody who can, you know, sort of, uh, again, could play off both feet and, you know, cause the the opposition a lot of difficulty uh, with the shooting as well. I think that's the the right model to follow. Uh, For anybody who didn't hit the unsubscribe button as soon as we mentioned Jack Byrne favorably, that's probably a preferable uh, uh, comparison uh, to compare with Dundalk legend, Daryl Horgan. And when you make that, Similarly, I think Horgan was probably the peak that we had in that position, probably maybe even of all time. He, he modelled exactly what a winger should be. When you think back to that golden era midfield, you know, I mean, it really was all-star stuff and, and Darrell was a massive part of that. Just to cover another point you mentioned, Martin, about the disallowed goal, I think if I recall, and I haven't watched it back, but the recollection that I have of it is that the ball comes in, Mali gets a very clear header on it, it's in the back of the net but it seems to go over Archie Davis's head. And I think what Davis has done is he's acted as if it's a corner because it's almost a corner, but that yard or so from the end line, there might've even been less than that. Uh, Davis seems to move in and stand right in front of the keeper as you may do for a corner. And I think that's the offside that's given. Now I'll give it up to the, the replay. The real player will prove whether or not that's the case, but I think it's just a momentary lap of con- a lapse of concentration Davis just acts as he would for a corner kick, thinking that it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, so maybe the, the officials weren't entirely off the rocker for that one. 
Um, but we can watch that one back and, and you can see if anybody listening has an opinion on that offside, by all means, let us know on Twitter. We'll be interested to hear what you make of that. So right now we go to Sligo and we talked a lot about formation and there's sort of an assumption with Dundalk that, you know, eventually about a month into the season, we'll have a settled first 11 and the team will be picking itself and it's only the occasional injury that will cause a fairly predictable change. We've tried to nail down our first 11 and every time we've got close to it, there's been another injury and another suspension, which has totally disrupted that. I think everybody was surprised by the selection on Monday with Hoban and Benson maybe coming out, but that perhaps was with an eye to Saturday. We know that that's going to be disrupted again with what looks like a Robbie Benson hamstring injury. If I asked you to name your first 11 or even the formation now, we'd probably all come up with different guesses and guesses they would be. Does it seem that we're just not going to get that settled 11 for a while and we should get used to a very fluid and unpredictable selection from week to week for Dundalk FC for the time being? Oh, definitely. And I think injuries aside, but even the way Dundalk set themselves out on Monday with Tullock where he was and uh, Ryan where he was, and then I think, I can't remember, maybe 25 minutes or so, Skip changed things up. So even within a game, you can't tell how Dundalk are going to set themselves out. But the first thing is always going to be who's available to them. So, but it was interesting as well uh, to have, like, you know, Leahy moved back out. Uh, and then it was because um, I thought, you know, Leahy had done quite well, despite the fact that we did ship to probably uh, uh, two goals on Friday that really were self inflicted wounds. We all said this. We thought, I thought Leahy did quite well there. But then again, I did think, uh, you know, on Monday, uh, Williams and, and, and Mother made a good account of themselves. UCD frightened us a little bit. Again, not, not to swing back into negativity, but I think a better team than UCD probably would have got at least one in the net on, on Monday. But all you can do is play who's up against you. Um, so, as I said, you know, between Friday and Monday, you know, Leahy and Tullock changing positions. So not only that the lineups are changing, but where players are expected to be found and Connor Malley, I think, and like, so where players are going to be, who's going to play, you know, I mean, we saw a few weeks ago, uh, Andy Boyle was on the team sheet and then didn't come out of the tunnel. So um, all bets are off with regards uh, who's going to play. Um, I would I would say, the Benson thing aside, I would say Hoban was probably rested from the start with an eye to Saturday. I think if you're going away to the showgrounds, you want to come out of the traps with Pat Hoban. Uh, just because we saw, I, I, I mean, uh, like against uh, Drada, we're a different team. We're a different beast with him with him there. So that's probably was part of Skip's reckoning. So I would expect to see Hoban uh, back in. be exciting to see if Ryan can continue that, you know, the form, especially the ball's been whipped in combining with um, Hoban, and not to take away from John Martin either, because John Martin's goal was, you know, uh, you know him connecting up with um, with Ryan, but as you said, with a bizarrely, uh, completely unattentive uh, UCD defence, Sligo aren't going to be, I think, as uh, generous as UCD defence was. Um, I mean, Sligo got a really great result against Pats, uh, so, uh, you know, greatest cliche in history it's a tough place to go to but absolutely no idea who skip is going to send out although we always try to guess our best 11 it's going to get to a point now where 
it's going to be pretty easy to guess our first 11 because there will literally be only 11 players who are over 17 available to send out there anyway. Well, I saw some joke on Twitter during the week that we're going to see Peter Cherry playing, you know, outfield somewhere before the end of the month. And you look around at the level of attrition in the squad. And it doesn't seem that outrageous a statement, right? We're, mm. you know, really down to the bare bones. The only thing is that you'd say, like, as the days go by, is there any chance of us getting anybody else back? You know, um, I know you spoke about Louis Ainsley. I don't know what the, the story is. Obviously, he had a sort of serious injury and I think an infection or something like that. But you would hope that at some stage he's on the road to recovery. And you might see him back in the squad eventually. I think Greg Sloggett as well. They said that, you know, his injury against Derry wasn't quite as bad as they feared, but you know, he wasn't going to be back in time for the the Drahada game, at least they said. And you'd kind of hope if a few more days go by, you know, will we see him back in the team as well? Because he was so good, right, throughout the you know month of March and the start of April, right? Probably our best player, you know, so far this season. And it's easy to sort of forget about him in that midfield. We didn't even really talk about him in the context of like the last couple of games. Right, throwing him back in there, I think, would be a massive boost. And then, you know, you look to people like John Metney and stuff like that. You know, I know he's out with a, a long-term injury, but you know, again, as the weeks and months go by, you'd hope that he's getting a bit closer to fitness, and we might see some of those faces back. So I don't think we'll see the likes of him back for Sligo, but maybe Greg Sloggett or somebody mm. like that. You know, we can hope. Now, Sligo have an uncannily similar record to our own: same number of games played, same wins, same draws, same amount of losses and one goal in the goal difference, which puts us currently fourth and, and then fifth. We know Sligo is a tough place to go. We know they're well-organised. We know they're in a good run of form. The recent victory over Pats created, I suppose, the start of the managerial merry-go-round this season, really. Tim Clancy has been dismissed by Pats as of today. They've parted company with him. Tim Clancy was in the frame to beat Dundalk manager around about the time that there was discussions with the new owners of whether they'd retain Vinnie Perth or go for another option. Eventually, we know there was huge controversy when Stephen O'Donnell was uh, taken from Pats to come to us. And then in a kind of opposite journey, Tim Clancy went from Drogheda to um, to St. Patrick's Athletic. Now, Tim Clancy was well-regarded. He had achieved a lot of, uh, well, a stellar performance with a micro-budget at Drogheda you know, frequently kind of causing us quite a bit of trouble and he had a kind of growing reputation as a really good manager. We saw Pats come to Oriel at the start of the season and they were the one outlying performance of the whole season. Everything else was pretty much as you might expect it to go. Some Pats came, I think, we thought there would be a lot of highly motivated, uh, we thought there'd be a lot of, you know, um, fire in their belly coming on to Oriel Park really really languid performance inexplicably so and you know we had that really kind of you know leisurely evening where we absolutely hockeyed them which i can't recall us doing to st patrick's athletic side for quite some time how do you reconcile that i mean tim clancy had this kind of growing reputation as a really good manager he's been dismissed by pats who only a few weeks ago were you know climbing the table and have gone through a, a kind of a dodgy spell recently do you think that is a little bit of a premature decision or what would you think has gone on there behind the scenes? I think it's a premature decision um, based like on, on, on the league this year. Okay, they came up to a real park and we hockeyed them. They were absolutely brutal. I think um, the guy said it was probably one of the worst defensive performances they've ever seen of any team that's come to Oriel Park. So you certainly don't expect that from St. Patrick's Athletic. And I remember uh, Tim Clancy lambasting his players after the game. He said it wasn't good enough. He said the performance needed to pick up. And he wasn't a happy camper with um, with the performance. He was laying it fair, um, fairly square at the feet of the, um, the performance of the players. And... Um, 
you know, you don't suddenly become a bad manager overnight. And Tim Clancy is very, very far from, you know, being a bad manager. As you said, Kenny was mooted for after the Vinny, um, when, when we were new owners and we, we were we were parting ways with Vinny Perth. And also as well, like the rumours had it that, you know, um, that time when Stephen Bradley was talking about him heading across the water, that he was basically, he was going to be the next Rovers manager. So when you've got a, a name, you know, that's been bandied around the league like that and he's, uh, he's uh, associated uh, in rumor with with the one of the, the, the with the champions and one of the top clubs. Then you know he has he has good credentials. So I definitely think it, it was premature from from well from my looking at it because when you see where Pats are, like they are five points off third place. You know what I mean. So that's they're two wins off third place. You know, leaving everything else as it is so it's not like they've fallen to, to the bottom of the table like it's not like like they were cork city are which are you know nine points rooted you know in in that kind of relegation zone already so i mean it's it's a strange one so i suppose i can only speculate i don't know what's happening in chicago i can only speculate that there's been a bit of a fallout between um <clears throat> between the owners the board and and tim clancy and then you can just speculate as to you know what's going on there i'm sure if you troll through social media and stuff like that you might get plenty of kind of rumors if you're into that kind of thing so yeah to answer your question i think it's premature because um you know this this league is so tight between seventh and third that it's it's not like you know that it's a major 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 problem i don't think anyway Ah, definitely. Like as Damien said the, the, the league is so tight and we've seen i mean at, earlier on in the season when you know it, it was very early days but remember rovers and pats were both down the bottom of the table and we 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 said it. we knew both those teams would be up in the heel of the hunt okay they would be back in there like even i mean we knew rovers would wouldn't be down there for long but i think we all knew pats would be up um so in the context of that we've, we've seen such wild swings and if you look at the spread we were talking about a few of us teams are now in spitting distance of third but if you go the whole way down to seventh i mean next weekend can completely overturn seventh to fourth one weekend at the moment in the league can completely flip things like teams down in seventh can be up in fourth and you know touching on third in one weekend so in the context of that it does seem premature but i would say that there, there must be some bigger thing i know for instance if you if you listen to pat's fans they were not that surprised what they claim to be not that surprised but the hockey we gave them they had said week in week out they just think the quality of football was awful it was a rot that had begun at the end of last season okay so that was their take on things that this had been uh on a while for a while i've seen phrases that old phrase bandied about he had lost the dressing room um so i i don't think pats fans were that shocked the one thing I would say is they've had a, you know, I think, you know, they were second not too long ago. But maybe what Pat's fans are saying is they're seeing a bit of a bigger picture because at the moment the league is crazy. You know, it is really not settling down yet. So in one way, yeah, it might be flippant to sack him now. But if you look at long-term trends, Pats are probably saying that they're not really as consistently where they should be. Um, the only other thing I would throw in there is I always got the impression and I had heard some things that Skip leaving them was, on one hand, was offered, you know, clearly had been given an exciting opportunity to do something at Dundalk. Uh, clearly got presented with, you know, uh, it said an exciting opportunity. 
and there was obviously an emotional content there. But I think the lure of Dundalk was a carrot, but I suspected that there possibly was he wanted to exit a scenario, possibly involving the ownership, that things are not completely rosy there. And Skip said, because even though for us as the dog fans, it was like amazing to have Stephen O'Donnell coming to manage us, given what he had done with Pats. Um, he had left after quite a short time at Pats and he was building something there, right? And let's face it, and I'm going to be the first to admit this, going to Dundalk in the state Dundalk were in was a bit of a risk because Pats were a much steadier ship um, from the outside looking in. And I don't think that was purely just an emotional going back to Dundalk thing. It was a quite a shocking, in some ways it was a shocking move to make uh, Skip coming to us. So there's possibly that there is something not right behind the scenes down there. Kastner minds back to that moment. I think a lot of us probably weren't speculating on Stephen O'Donnell coming to Dundalk because we might have thought at the time uh, that we needed a more transitional manager who maybe would rebuild the club over a, a more medium-term period. I mean, St. Patrick's Athletic had finished, I think, second or third in the league, and they'd won the FAI Cup. And, you know, that seemed to be uh, quite a, quite a, a, quite a, there would seem to be quite potential there. And I think that's quite why his departure hit um, St. Pat's fans so hard emotionally. They went from that high of winning the Cup and believing that the club was on the verge of a kind of a, a golden era, perhaps. Um, to it all being sort of reset over the close season. But maybe you're right. I mean, we've interviewed a pl- few players as well, and they have mentioned that when given the opportunity to go to Pats or another club, uh, that from the outside looks to be a cl- a qu- roundabout equivalent sort of level as regards size, fan base, likelihood to you know be successful, position they might finish in the league. Many have sort of chosen that other option. So who knows? You are speculating from from the outside, but I suppose what was surprising was that such a apparently a manager who was well regarded and in big demand has been um, has been sacked after a relatively short period of time. I suppose in the first real um, period of difficulty that that he's faced, and it, it is strange to see. I always feel that managers are perhaps dispensed with a little bit too quickly. Uh, but it is strange. It was, it, I was surprised to see that Tim Clancy had been let go, given that Pats are only three wins away from being right back up there with everybody else. Anyway, the misfortunes of others are their own affair. Thundock are in good form. Do you want to turn to Twitter to give us the sort of good vibes that all the fans were enjoying after the sunny trip to Belfield? Yeah, sure. So, um, reaction to the game. Uh, Adam comes in with a... Game wasn't great, but we got the win, which was important, as that's what good teams do. Uh, on to the next one. Kevin Mullen said, great win, always a tricky fixture. Thought we started at a great pace, got a little bit more conservative after 20 minutes, but deserved our halftime lead. Some of the decisions from the officials were head-scratching. Sour note was Benson's departure. We looked like the walking wounded. Uh, DFC lad said, uh, performance-wise, there were no bad players. It was unfortunate for Benson to go off when he was on for 30 seconds, but what a rocket by O'Kane. And if anyone comes and tries to buy him, they can get out of here. Shane McGurk said, the main thing is we got three points. I don't think we played particularly well. We made life difficult for ourselves on occasion. Uh, Ryan O'Kane's work rate was excellent, tracking back and going forward. Sligo will be tough at the weekend. Injuries are becoming a real concern. 
Rory Gilson then said, totally played very well. John Martin, excellent and worked his socks off. Davies, a brilliant outlet. Ryan's best game by far this season and his set pieces were on the money. Mali can frustrate at times, but plays the game with slippers on. A really good team performance. And Kieran McGoon said, I thought Ryan hasn't hit the heights. I thought Ryan hasn't hit the heights he hit last season so far until draw the game on Friday. And what a performance and goal today. Sligo is a big game. We need to start winning against teams around us to push on and stay top with the top two teams. So unusually now at the coming weekend, we're going to be playing Sligo on Saturday because that's when Sligo play, which gives us a free Friday for our attention to go elsewhere in the league. It is the meeting of first and second Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers. A couple of questions to be answered there. The, the result of that game, should it go one way or the other, will result in either Bo's lead extending to seven points, which is considerable given that they'll have now played Rovers twice. So Shamrock Rovers, if they win, will cut that lead down to one point, which will make things ominous for Bohemians. We've mentioned that Shamrock Rovers seem to be hitting their stride. When Derry went to Tala and bet them rather comfortably, Rovers seemed out of sorts, very disjointed. How do you think that the Dublin Derby will go? Would you fancy Bowes to be able to go there and get a result? And also, is the sight of all our ex-players beginning to click together? You see, they've inherited so much like championship winning know-how with Daniel Cleary, with John Hoare, and particularly with Richie Tell, who we still remember, you know, was at the centre of our golden period. The goal he scored against Derry was sort of vintage towel, a long ball forward from Jack Byrne, kind of a floating header from, from Trevor Clark, I think it was. And then this sort of trademark side of the foot, uh, elegant finish into the back of the net in a, in a kind of vintage Richie Towel fashion, almost causes a something of a wave of both sorrow and nostalgia. The memories come flooding back when you see a finish like that. It's only a shame that there's there's green and white in his jersey rather than white. Is it possible to appreciate um, a, a Richie Tell moment like that? And do you think we might see something like that this coming Friday? I think the game is going to be a cracker. I think I'm just going to ignore your question, Ken. I'm going to just talk about what the game is going, is going to be. Now, um, I think that Rovers are hitting form at the moment. Uh, Bowes hammered Cork. So both teams are going into this, um, you know, with... with you know, on good in, in in good form, but I think it's a, it's a different type of form. Um, if you as just as you said, Ken, when you look at the quality and you know the 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 talent in the Shamrock Rovers team, with a lot of you know title winning, medal winning players, I think them clicking at this time, I think they're you know they're going to be they're at home. It's going to be a sellout. Uh, I I think that they're going to they're going to win. Um, I think on Friday night, unless you get some kind of mad kind of stuff like red cards or, you know, a very, you know, giddy referee that kind of ruins the game. I think that, you know, if you're putting putting the two teams up against each other from, you know, which are, I think that Shamrock Rovers will just have a little bit too much quality for for Bohemians. Um, but I think it's going to be a cracker. So we can actually... Uh, watch that game and just kind of sit by it's always a great it's always a great game but just kind of like sit back as spectators and watch yeah i think it really depends on which way the first goal goes so i think in the last derby match rovers got the opening goal and then they sort of cruise to a 2-0 win in the end and i think the same thing could easily happen right that if rovers get that opening goal i think they will just grind down bohemians right they've got too much quality but if Bo's getting the lead and have something to defend right i can see that being much more interesting right so 
I think we'll hold out for you know sort of uh, some sort of freak occurrence and uh, and see if that happens. I don't care what either of those teams do. You know, this you know let them fight. Uh, you know, <laughs> but interestingly, one I will say about just with regards to that game in relation to Dundalk, honestly, I would say, you know, if Dundalk put any idea of a title challenge out of their head, because I think looking at our team, which is held together by Blue Tap, uh, that would be fanciful stuff. Um, Honestly, I it's 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 Derry. I would be I would be eyeing up because Martin made a point a few weeks ago that Bows have a lot of numbers on the board already, and I even if they lose their grip on top spot, they've really driven into that you know top three place. Shamrock Rovers, uh, the less said the better, but are potentially you know could just cruise their way. To um to to a fourth uh, title, league title in a row, um it's Derry is the strange one because Derry who would have been many people's favourites or joint favourites for the league look quite vulnerable, and I someone laughed at me. I'm not going to name them, but a friend of me laughed at me uh, in WhatsApp yesterday when I suggested that third could be on for Dundalk because I think if we keep this rickety ship together held together by Celtic. And then get players back, then get into a transfer window. You never know. Um, I think I don't care about the teams involved. I think third spot with the current amount of points out there is currently something we could we could keep an eye on. But as for the Dublin Derby, ah, who cares? Having failed to draw you on on the kind of cognitive dissonance of watching Dundalk Legends of past now kind of playing really well in in uh, Shamrock Rovers side. I will say this for our league. I mean, it seems that the English Premier League has been a foregone conclusion since about week two. I mean, most people just thought that Man City with their you know superhuman centre forward would just eventually over time end up at the top of the table. And that hasn't quite happened yet. Sorry to, to bring that up, um, uh, Rory, as I know you're an Arsenal fan. But it seems to be almost inevitable. Whereas our league is incredibly open. And partly that's to do with the kind of rather inconsistent pattern of nearly every team. Rover's slow start, Derry taking off quite consistently, Derry now hitting difficulties um, and, and dropping down to third. Us, round about this time last season, we're in a similar sort of position. We had gone through the first series of games and picked up mostly draws, uh, hadn't been beaten all that much, but hadn't won all that much, leaving us round about where we are now. But I said it kind of before, anybody who puts together a, a series of runs could come from nowhere to actually make a real challenge. I suppose Bohemians have already surprised a lot of people with their kind of getting out ahead of everybody else and staying there for, for a long time. Now, that is all up for grabs come Friday. And I mean, if they win or even if they draw, that's a big, big result for them as regards genuine title contenders and to begin to look more gen- genuine as, as the week goes on. I'm reminded a lot of the Dermot Keeley championship winning side that sat mid-table until about halfway through the season. And then the first and second teams just totally collapsed and it became a foot race between us and Derry to see who would take that title. And up until, that was the old season, so up until about January, neither teams were considered candidates. So 
Third, not absolutely out of the question. I mean, but we do need to kind of have a little bit more consistency and perhaps have a, a little bit fewer injuries. With that being said, it's all eyes in the showground on uh, on Saturday night when we face Sligo. Uh, has been a difficult place to go, but on current form, on an upward trajectory, hopefully, who knows, we might just get the result. Anyway, uh, we might leave it there for this particular show. I'd like to thank everybody for all their contributions on Twitter and all the messages we received. And for all of you listening every week, thanks very much to contributors Rory Murphy, Martin Mullen and Damian Kenny. And we'll be back to talk to you in the aftermath of the Sligo Rovers game.